DevCom Podcast presents the Fireside Cast with your hosts, Lars Janssen and Nico Baleta. Welcome to this episode of our DevCom Podcast series, bringing you the DevCom experience year-round. This time, my co-host Nico and I are here with Mark Estale, voice director and software designer, as well as David Bateson, voiceover artist and the voice of Agent 47 for 20 years. We're very excited to have you both here. Hi, Mark. Hi, David. Hi. Hi. Good to have you. Super excited nice about uh, about this session this morning, <laughs> and uh, so let's let's kick this off by um, you know letting you guys tell a little bit about yourself. So um, maybe starting with David, uh, give us a little bit of a background of uh, what you've been up to. You know, the last I don't know decades in the video games industry. And <laughs> last decade, <laughs> that makes me feel really old. Um, well, I, I've just very briefly. I'm a uh, uh, an actor born and brought up in South Africa and Britain. And so I've lived in both countries and ended up in Denmark about 28 years ago. And much to my surprise, I, uh, I found a niche in, in the voiceover industry over here. And, uh, and that I have used and abused to the absolute maximum. And which led to 20 years ago, uh, being in the right place at the right time to, to be the voice of Agent 47 with Iron Directors then new computers uh, hitman and that has led to I don't well, 20 years about eight eight and eight games I think it is I actually don't even know how many games it is I should <laughs> a lot yeah oh <laughs> uh, but um uh, I said no to a few games uh, other games because uh, I felt this I was good with um, hitman I was very and I still am very proud of it uh, and uh as a as a franchise is as a as a big success, so I, I felt no need uh, to kind of to 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 take on board uh, other computer games until last year, and I got an offer I, I just couldn't refuse when I read the script um, of a new computer game with some, a couple of young guys in the north part of this country, a place called Olbor. And uh, Tunnel Vision Games, they're called. And, um, and the computer game was, is called Light Matter. But up until that point, um, you know, I've been satisfied uh, not doing other computer games. I will say this, however. If, if I was based in London and had more exposure to uh, computer game possibilities, I'm sure I would have uh, you know, jumped at them. So, um, but I'm happy. I'm content with my lot. <laughs> that's that's all I've got to say. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the for the quick intro. So, Mark, how about yourself? Uh, my history is long because I'm another aged veteran of this industry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but my background is in the music and performance industries. I started off in the late seventies. Um, mixing bands and doing random theatre things, so guerrilla theatre. Um, joined the games industry in the early 90s to run a voice studio for Polyline, which was a localization company. And that was uh, the beginning of it all, really, because when I came into the doing, started doing voice for games, we were putting voice actors into the same recording studios using the same technology as you use in radio or in telly or anywhere else. And it was exactly the same environment. And uh, 
And I moved to another company, helped them with their studios, but then decided to go in the to start experimenting in 96. And that's where the fun really began, because it kind of deconstructed um, everything. You're just going, OK, ga games are a new media. They're they're they're, they're non-linear. The scripts are huge. It's not simple. It's not straightforward. And the one thing that was around was a lot of really shit VO in games. And the 90% of that is not shit actors. Sometimes it's not shit scripts, although there were some stinkers back in the day. They're getting better now. <laughs> um, but it was actually the fact of connecting, of how the actor is connected to the game itself, because the performance needs context. And that was the bone that I started gnawing when I first came into the, you know, came into this wonderful world about a thousand games ago. And it was... Um, and yeah, I kind of um, deconstructed the recording studio, the technology looked at all the pipelines and started to try and work out different ways of working that actually enabled actors to be connected with the game as, as well as an actor is connected to a set on a, you know, working with other actors on a film set or, um, or on stage, there's a lot of sensory stuff that puts the actor right into the moment. They've got the other performances, etc., etc. So I've been gnawing that bone for nearly 25 years um, and started working on tech uh, in the late, late 90s. But it, it, it started with a sort of um, pipeline stuff because the, the amount of game um, you know, the amount of dialogue in games. I think the first game I ever recorded in 96 um, it was 100,000 words of dialogue. And um, there wasn't any tech to do anything like that, you know, back then. And so, you know, it, you know everything integrating and using Excel as the database management tool, et cetera, et cetera. The complexity of it was just mad and trying to do all that manually was a, a nightmare and so just breaking back and looking at different ways of managing data and the throughput and you know change tracking and all that kind of stuff was um they're very much part of the journey simply you know working producing stuff you want things to be the tech side you want it to be invisible and easy you want because you want to be able to focus on the creative bits of it you know the, doing the doing the fun and all the tech stuff, you don't want to be blowing your brains out, trying to work out, you know, what goes where, how, all that kind of stuff. And when things go missing and it just takes too much time and effort. So it was, uh, yeah, so my, my, my whole idea was I want this to be fast, easy and fun. And I wanted projects to come in, be gone and write, you know, so... Uh, that's where all the tech started and then and the last uh, 15 years now have been a kind of flowering uh, you know a blooming of the uh, the whole sort of methodology i use in games and it's been a really exciting journey that's brought in um psychologists and and and, and, and different um skills and expertise into the games industry, which I would never have 
um, thought of, you know, looking at the way the brain works and neuroscience and how we react to each other in, as people and how do you bring somebody into a character was a very, very uh, major part of uh, my journey. And now it's this kind of multidisciplinary um, exploration, which is technical and scientific, as well as doing the fun game stuff, you know, so. Um, so but, yeah. a lot of different aspects, obviously, you, you uh, touched on in your career. And it's, it's super exciting to dive a little deeper in all those parts, like the technology side of things and obviously the psychology and, and everything. But before we do the, the deep dive, let me start with a simple question to actually both of you, maybe a little mark, uh, more Mark than, than David. But how do you re actually record lines the best way? From a, <laughs> it's it's not a simple one, I guess. But uh, you know what you, you touched on immersion a little bit already, and making it feel real, and um, having the actors in environments that can actually feel the game. So to, to both of you, how do you make that that happen? Uh, how do you create that connection for a voice actor uh, with the technology used and with the game uh, that they actually do it for? Well, I think the 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 lovely the nicest place to do stuff. Is on stage, you know, um, doing the. I like um, I like the whole thing about motion capture, well, the performance capture, because you've got all the actors interacting and moving, and so. But they're blocking the scene. They're still not very much in the scene. You you got things like previs, you know, and you do all the pre-production work, and but you get them all. It's like working on a, a film set on blue screen or green screen now, um, you know. You've got everything blocked, but you don't know what it's going to be look like. So it's going to be created digitally later. That is a lovely way of working. Um, the objective is to get the actors truly in the game. So they're connected uh, sensory, you know, not just through the skill of the director explaining things and them interpreting that. If they are sense fully, you know, if all their senses are engaged, then they are fully present. And when somebody is fully present, then magic happens, which is natural and rather than which rather than crafted. That is my take on it. Well, I'll give you my I can add to that in the sense that um, I don't know where I got this from, but it maybe maybe it's just me <laughs> but um we don't have a problem with using our imagination when we're children and we kind of lose that ability we lose touch with it from probably the, the, the time when we first become kind of really self-conscious when you hit your teens when 12 13 or something and you start your world starts actually getting smaller because you limit yourself and you start going oh this is no longer a a lightsaber, it's actually just a stick. Oh, I'll throw that away. Um, and uh, it's taken me years to kind of get back to being a child again as an actor uh, and, uh, and being more open to using your imagination. And there's no better place to do so in an environment where you have absolutely nothing to go on in the sense that you've just got a microphone. Um, the director is is Alpha Omega uh, in, in, in guiding or giving the, the sort of the food or the, the sensory world and direction to the actor 
beyond obviously the words of the script. But it's still still down to the actor to going to imagine. And I remember a quote. I think it was Ewan McGregor and uh, Liam Neeson in the Star Wars film, where they're going, "Oh God, another day of green screen. Oh shit." You know, because it, it was a very, you know, um, computer uh, animated or graphic uh, experience. You know, w waving a, a sword around with a big cape on a, in a big green room and trying to, and you're standing there having a sword fight on the Death Star or something, you know, oh. And, and I know they were joking as, as very experienced actors, but I'm sure they were, I'm sure that I understood where they were coming from. You, to do it for a long, long, long period of time, three months of standing there waving a, a stick around in a green room, it must be quite hard if you're not getting all the help uh, you need. But so, so the script's there, but it's somehow as a, as a voice actor, it's getting us to, to get in touch or to let go uh, and be totally open. This is what Michael Mark was saying, to be, have all your, all the channels of communication you've got at your disposal open when you're recording. And the frustration can be that the world, the recording world of for most voiceover work is a very boring, sterile environment. It's just a, a microphone and a, and a soundproof room. And that's where Mark comes into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th I think it's a really interesting thing about that where the imagination comes into play yeah. because your imagination explodes from what you're given yeah yeah and yeah. you know oftentimes you get these amazing performances in the studio then yeah. you put them into the game and because the imagination isn't connected to the environment yeah, you know, by itself it sounds great, but in game it sounds terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, and all it, you know, and the tiniest thing of just volume of speech, you know, how somebody says something can be the thing that breaks it or makes it. So that imagination needs to be within a very, very clear box. And um, I love the whole idea of imagination because I've been stu studying the whole effect of what. I suppose maturity means in acting and and it also it ties into the concept of wisdom because when we imagine something our imagination is there in history for our survival you know be afraid of the thing yeah run yeah. like fuck when you see this thing because <laughs> if it bites you it's gonna hurt and what happens as we become older and have more life experience uh -huh. yeah we experience the things that we once imagined were terrible you know it's like the idea if somebody hasn't had a broken bone it's terrifying for those of us who've had broken things on numerous occasions, it's just shit that happens. And when you know limbs and things are pointing in wrong directions, there's a, there's a, you know, there's an acceptance of it. And that, but yeah, but it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, you know, um, I always, you know, one of the most gruesome ones was, um, you know, that I one of the things I really hate 
is the over-the-top shit that goes on in fights and in war games and all that kind of stuff. All these ridiculous noises people make when they get shot and stuff. You know, I, I yeah. love that. I love it, uh, the power of realism. You know, is people say, well, it's not dramatic. No, I, I think realism draws you in um, in a way um, that just connects to you because it's real. And so that whole thing about, you know, so like people go, ah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. There's a lot of things which are, are good. That, you know, it's like fight sounds and all that kind of stuff. We know they're not real. They're just kind of, you know, they're just to make it more visceral for the audience. You know, that crunching of bones and that, you know, the slapping of a thing when you punch somebody. You know, and normally it's a, it, it's kind of silence or a wet thud, you know, you know, it's it's um, and I'm really interested in the whole idea of the power of realism and stuff. I was telling a story. Yeah, it was from my friends in um, the Falklands year war helped save a mate who lost but had his legs blown off. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really gruesome Sorry, but the thing is, it gets at the point you get the gallows humor. You know, there's not much screaming if people are just massively patching him up, but there's just really weird go conversations going on, you know. And the, and the guys on the going, oh, I've lost my legs. And, you know, the first quip that comes back is that, no, you haven't, they're over there, you know. And, and it's just, and it, it, it's just, it goes into this weird, surreal humor that you just, you know, if you've been in a car accident, you know, that sort of slow motion um, yeah. acceptance of what's happening. Can I, I know, can I just comment on that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mark, because I was watching by, by accident because I, I just, some, some old Western with uh, um, Stuart and uh, what's his name, Stuart, you know. Uh, yeah, James, James Stewart. James Stewart, James Stewart, and uh, and Dean Martin. I don't know what the film was called. And and Raquel Welch. What the hell is she doing in this film? But the point is, when the Indians came and there was a big shootout, you know, you heard the same bullet sound effect. If it was coming from a from a Winchester or if it was coming from a Colt <laughs> forty five, and I was going, we've come a long way, you know. Oh yeah, but, yeah. And they and they were just endless. Of the, the, you, know, you just see the 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 editor just going, <laughs> okay. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's not real, you know. But at the time, fifty years ago, it was going. Whoa, whoa, look at those people dying in their droves, you know. Why do they yeah. just keep running up and down in front of that, you know, the jailhouse? Just being shot. Why don't they just hide, you know? Yeah. But anyway, uh, but aside from that, um, that I, I suddenly struck with your story of. Uh, and I thought of the, the, the famous sound orgy of running up the beaches at, at on, um, on Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Mm. Now, of course, you get, you literally, that was a whole new level of sound um, design, which got literally the audience in, in a cinema ducking. But there was that one explosion on the beach and the guy has his leg blown off or there's his arm. And he's, he's looking around to find it and he gets it. And, he, and you think, now that's a real experience yeah. that's been put in there from a survivor, yeah. and it would—it yeah. looks like a cartoon, 
But it is that's that bizarreness you, you're describing, it, and you're going, uh, and 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 then and also later in the film, there's one little second moment where they're they're, they're doing street fighting in, in some uh, you know town or village of Khan or something, and you see a guy run past the camera and he's standing next to a wall, and then he suddenly just falls to the ground. That's death. He was just you know shot by a sniper. He didn't make a sound. He just collapsed from the knees and just lay there. He went from human being, dead meat. And, uh, and it was horrible. But that's what interests me, is, is those brutally real moments that um, we try to capture in, in sound work. And not all the sort of, sort of heavy man sex. You feel like you have to create, you know, when you're swinging a broadsword you know, in some... Yeah. So, so David, how does that um, connect to you being age at forty-seven for for twenty years? I mean, uh, you've probably, uh, you know, grown a little bit into that character almost. And I think there are some moments where you, you had to do some of the things where you were like, I don't, I don't know if that's you know what I what I really want to want to do. So, how how's the journey been for you? Like uh, twenty years of being that guy. I mean, is it is it now really a big part of yourself somehow? Yeah, it is. You know what? I was a I was nominated in November and went to uh, LA for the Voice Arts Awards. And uh, I was nominated for voice of uh, doing voice work for Agent 47 and, and for another thing. But on the way over, I was only, I literally, I was only in the States for 24 hours. I had to get back. Um, my wife said to me, David, you should have it. You should have the tattoo. I went, what? You can't mean that. I mean, <laughs> you, you know. He said, you should get it done. You are Agent 47. Get the barcode. I can't believe that. I haven't done it yet, but I'm this close. But because, uh, because uh, uh, it has become such an extraordinary um, experience you know, with this character. Just on a, a quick note, whilst I remember it, way back about oh, 15, 18 years ago, no, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, we were recording one of the Hitmans. I think it was the third one. And and I suddenly started doing stuff, like a kind of a heavy breathing, very intimate breathing into the microphone. And, and I could, there was no window to the, you know, to the, to the engineer. I was just doing heavy breathing on a microphone. And they, so they were going, David, what are you doing? <laughs> and I suddenly <laughs> thought, uh, I'm, I'm behind a curtain and a thick velvet curtain it says in the script and the the man i my target is literally about 30 centimeters away from me just on the other side of the curtain and i was trying to create something a 3d effect of my proximity to him and they're going but we, we don't need that and i go yes you do you we should have it we should have that 3D effect from a microphone. Hello, you've got stereo. Uh, there should be more involvement with a with a with a microphone. It was just I just suddenly thought of that, uh, and we've used it a lot since. I've been panting into a microphone ever since. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> don't ask me about my other voiceover work. No, um, <clears throat> uh, no but uh, regarding the character, yes, uh, it's without going to massive detail there i would just suffice to say that and unfortunately i say unfortunately 
in a way. Um, I relate a lot to Agent 47 uh, in, in terms of his rootlessness or uh, lack of, you know, sense of belonging. He's a, he's a kind of a Frankenstein's monster. Not that I'm a monster, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, because I moved around a lot uh, in my, my upbringing, and and that's made me feel very disconnected, and always feeling like I'm on the outside looking in. It's not the most original feeling, but uh, but I've used that, and and I've had, that's helped me identify with the role. So when when I'm saying lines, um, over the years, as the writers and I have grown up together, they are to some extent, writing subconsciously lines which they can hear me speak as age of 47, as much as I'm saying lines which I now feel because I know this fictional character, age of 47, I know him like as a real friend. Uh, and I would say, he wouldn't do this. Uh -huh, he wouldn't shout here. You know, I, So that synergy process is quite a unique experience because you don't often get to, as an actor, um, be connected with one character or one personality in such a long time. It's normally a, if it's theatre, it's, you know, two to three months and, and film for that matter. Same kind of ballpark, you know, outside of the research phase. Um, shooting could be eight to 12 weeks or something. So it's rare to have that, you know, I know this guy, <laughs> I really know him. Um, and, and wanted to be honest to him, you know. So, so it means like the, the relationship between you and the writer has changed over the years. So I guess you, you understand each other sometimes even unconsciously you know, somehow. Yeah, I mean, we have a strange, uh, there's a strange synergy in a recording session, which went originally from, you know, the whole recording session was done in three hours. But we're talking 20 years ago when, when you know, the technology and the, and the demands of a computer game were, were another world. Uh, I was, that's what I was, by the way, Mark, I was intrigued what you said about um, 100,000 words for a computer game back then, because that, because due to all the different uh, yeah. levels and, and different, wow, I mean, yeah, I just come in and get, you know, shit, that's a shitload of words. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can actually still remember when, uh, that's also more than 20 years now, when the first... Metal Gear Solid on PS1 came out and uh, uh, that was something that uh, a lot of magazines actually had in their articles that, for example, this game was so huge it had more than 100,000 uh, lines of dialogue and then they compared it to movies like Aliens uh, where they had like 20k and stuff like that and that was immense, you know, and I think they... Back then, they sort of set a bar for, you know, how complex a game can actually be, um, especially as every single word was voiced. So that was yeah. really, really impressive. Um, we were talking offline before we started the interview. About, <laughs> how about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up. At some point. <laughs> I had to, because I, the more I listen to you, the more I hear Arnie. Hello, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, but you know that that bless him and I love him, uh, but the, you know to be the most uh, successful Hollywood actor in the eighties, and say about fifteen lines per movie, uh, it was quite an achievement. But or or as I also mentioned that Matt Damon in one of the Jason Bourne films had like seventy lines. I mean that's like Queen Gertrude in Hamlet, she, the longest Shakespeare play. She said nothing. 
when she's like the queen. Um, but um, but that's the that's the demands of a film. You know, you you don't need to say all these things. You, you just need a lot of uh, visual stuff. I can tell the story, and the way that films are, 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 are you know, just getting back to that little western I was watching, which was just endless conversations in huts or on a horse, or and then and then ten minutes of the same. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> oh, them, oh, there's no Indians left in the West. Oh, what? They're all dead. Um, and then, the, and be like, then I'll have time for a little love interest. And then, you know, I was going, God, films were so easy in those days. And and the same with same with computer games. But I was intrigued by the 100,000 uh, uh, lines. Or, or is it 100, was it 100,000 words? or 100,000 words, that 10,000 lines. 10,000 lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't get that because the, that's just that was, that was a back to, yeah, baptism of fire. That was, I think it was, uh, oh, yeah, 94. There was a point and click adventure. <laughs> So, D- David, you mentioned something um, about this, um, the heavy breathing and Hitman and the thing you did extra that was originally not requested. And you said, like, you used the microphone in a more creative way. H- how do you guys feel about this in general? Are we are we doing what we can with microphones these days? Are we using them in a creative way or are we pretty much simply doing, you know, the same thing we've done for the last I don't know, decades that people are just recording lines and, and don't use it for, for that creativity that you talked about? Well, I'm going to introduce Mark. Mike, this is your subject here, uh, but it's what what I stumbled across when I met um, your your colleague in uh, in LA in Santa Monica, Camilla Trina, when she described uh, or pointed out to me, as you have done, uh, that that since the invention of the microphone, nothing really much has changed. Um, and I went, what do you mean? That's, what are you talking about? I said, well, no, it's the, the recording experience is exactly the same or has been basically since we were shouting to microphones in the 20s again. This is the BBC World Service. You know, go, shit. <laughs> Germany, you know, invaded Poland. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> nothing much has changed. We just don't shout quite as much, maybe. But, but the technology of microphones have got better, but the recording experience hasn't moved along and and computer games have moved along like you can't believe so when i stumbled across what you were up to mark uh and i started stalking you <laughs> this guy got a, i've got to come and play in your studio i have to experience this uh, and why isn't everyone else doing this um uh I, I, because it that was much more, that was an involvement of the recording experience, which the technology and the, the computer game genre demanded. Uh, and so standing alone, I mean, I'm still recording my lines alone in a room uh, and not hearing anything around me or um, I don't know if they've recorded my lines before or I, they get my lines and then they just react to my... I'm just standing there mumbling into a microphone like a nutter. Um, and I'm, you know, when I started looking at your YouTube stuff, uh, uh, sessions and, and, and seeing how the, and hearing the actors talking about and just seeing their faces light up. And I thought, I know that, I know that look, that's, that's an actor who's been given a big juicy bone 
and is having a good gnaw on it, as you would say. Um, so now you can explain what I was excited about. Well, I want to go back to the whole thing as I think there are, you know, where there are audio people, most people in, I think, in, in the audio world are yeah. mad as fish. We all are. You know, the, 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 no, the, you, know, the, you know, the microphone is a weapon, it's a tool, it's a thing, you know, um, you know, you talk to any sound designer and, and just trying to experiment and doing just the wrong thing with it to create stuff. That creativity with the technology is alive and well. And I, you know, I love hanging out with the, the, a lot of the audio people because they are, you know, they're crazy what they, you know, what they're up to. And it was something that was in my kind of DNA all, you know, yeah. all my life was to mess around with, you know, with microphones <laughs> and technology, you know, stuffing them in yeah. condoms and dropping them into underwater <laughs> to see what it sound like and all that kind of oh. stuff, you know. Um, so, so, so you were that nutter yeah. in the park. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, oh. I've always, you know, I've lost two complete mic rigs in the sea of recording the waves. <laughs> you know, my first really expensive digital recorder was eaten by the North Sea in a storm. <laughs> you know, and it was just like... Oops! Oops! <laughs> but, it, but it was... Um, yeah, it, it, is, it is a tool for creativity. Um, yeah. But I think the, the craft of recording voice... The, the thing that that you need is consistency of sound. Yeah. So there are those experimental movements, you know, putting that breath in is that's a sound design thing where you're actually engaging the audience, you know, yeah. hearing that you know, or control breath before something or that fear in breath, you know, the, the way they use sound yeah. in, you know, horror is really interesting. Um, yeah. But it's but yeah, for recording voice, what you need is clarity and and consistency with the mic. So that whole idea of putting, you know, you know, four one six or a U eighty seven pointing at your chest at a you know roughly a meter from you, gives you yeah. a certain sound which is yeah. neutral and it needs to be in a good room. You know, into in a decent environment, which I'm not in right now, of course. Um, so it's, you know, th those are the sort of constraints. You want something that's consistent, and it was yeah. the, you know, the the idea, of, you know, for me was, um, when I started looking at Lavalier mics and where to place them, you know, because I'd worked in, you know, I'd worked on film sets and on you know, TV and you're, po you know, you're polling people, mm. you know, you've got the overhead mic on a stick yeah. um, or you're using a Lavalier mate hidden in their clothes or in their hairline and stuff like that. And then yeah. the use of the mics on theatre where they're putting them on the, on the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which were, you know, really interesting having those mics designed for that. And it was just, for me, it was like that freedom of having their mic attached to the actor meant they weren't constrained um, by standing in front of the mic. You know, for me, it was just like seeing a Mac, an actor in front of a microphone 
when, like they were in the 1930s, just standing there, stock still. Yeah. It was like having a tiger and chaining it and putting it in a cage. And then you've got to go, okay, you're a tiger and you've got to be really wild, but you can't move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That tension is heard. You know, it is, it takes, yeah, imagination to give that, you know, to, to give immense physicality without being mm. physical. You know, and it was just like, that is a real, a massive skill. And so yeah. many people achieve it, but it's against all things natural. You know, it's like you want to move. You know, and I yeah. love it when, you know, when actors become characters and they just, you know, they crouch over and they want to move and hide or stand tall. You know, they want to be physical with the character when they're engaged with the character. And it was a logical thing to actually attach the, the mic to the forehead. And, and I spoke yeah. to, you know, when I started talking to the DPA, who are a Danish man microphone manufacturer, and they, you know, they started building oh, really? reference microphones, which are amazing microphones, and then using oh, those for professional recording and stuff. They're just they're, they're just fabulous microphones that just you know don't distort because you know the human voice can't. Those little mics I use, yeah. the human the human voice cannot um, distort that microphone because it's got 144 decibels of headroom, so you can scream your lungs out. And it won't distort the microphone. It's, it just hits, you know, whatever outboard gear you've got, and that's the next piece of the line. But having that attached to you, and with yeah, we so I spoke to them about the positioning and stuff, and I did a load of research. Like, okay, this is my ideal position. What do you think, guys? And they said, well, yeah, that's like having, um, um, a, you know, uh, a microphone in the studio to meter. So that point on the forehead. Yeah. is equivalent to having the other mic and we've done it with games now for nearly 15 years we've had the um the dpa mics on on the actors uh, and yeah of course the actors honest. love it because they just forget the technology they're no longer held yeah. in the cage and it yeah. you know and some people have adapted it taken on the same technique because that's how they record on a um mocap stage they'll have one microphone or two microphones on the head just in yeah. the hairline on the cap um, so if you have the luxury of, of having a really good uh, acoustically treated mocap stage, then you can record stuff on the mocap stage, but then the challenge becomes having the audio sounding the same once it goes into a studio. And so what they were doing in the studio is putting the mics, you know, on a cap on the head, you know, so that was looking at the... Uh, looking at the coming to the same conclusion but mm. from a practical point of view of matching audio whereas you know what we were doing is very much about how do you release an actor to be the wild beast that they can be within the context that they're going to be in the, oh hi sorry um yeah, midi an interview. Just gonna wait yeah. for a moment until. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I do apologize. So, no, okay. uh, <clears throat> sorry, my neighbor just came over and wanted to walk my dog. So I, I heard like David uh, being said seven times. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, no can I just make a comment uh, on this, Mark? Um, <clears throat> I know um, 
you know, I've, I've heard it from film directors and they say, oh, I can't wait to get into the editing suite. And I'm going, why? Aren't we having fun on the film set? You know, he said, no, no, because that's when the real creative process is going to start. When, they, when, you, when they edit, you know, the editing of the pictures to tell the story, uh, to really fine tune how you highlight it and put the emotions on the face and stuff beyond the acting, of course. <clears throat> and I've heard the exact same comment from, obviously, from those mad sound engineers who t you are a part of, um, talking about uh, the, the creating the the, the dynamic in, the, in the, of the room or the space. You know, the the echo. Is this a metal room or what are we on the, underneath? We're in a submarine, and then oh, and just getting off on on creating a three D world from the words that are already recorded, as well as, of course, adding these fantastic sound effects, which are, which are were then throwing their equipment into the sea, as you were describing. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm just intrigued by that. That, that It's like, uh, it's, I mean, I've been accused of it in sometimes in a, in a recording session where they're going, David, will you stay on mic? And I go, I can't help myself, because I felt like a, a trapped tiger. But I'm also trying to do something. I'm also trying to create what you you can do in a studio where you can hear you can hear the 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 lungs going in and out when the arms are, are, are crossing your body or you know and you're going if we can't do that in these boring uh, standing in front of a microphone being nailed to the floor and going now act you know so power to you so, so yeah. are you, if, David? Are you recording in uh, in a setup like like Mark has set it up mostly now, or are you still no, you know, in that boring room? With the microphone. I'm in the boring room, I'm afraid. And, and, uh, why? Why, why is that? About. Is that mainly because of like I don't know cost reasons that not most studios yeah. really don't want to spend the money on the cool setup? Where it doesn't. Yeah, cost I mean, anything I, to do it. <laughs> it doesn't act. That's the subject to say that. It's, I was, you know, I wasn't going to accuse you of being a rich bastard. It's just getting all the equipment. No, I'm sure it's it's very very accessible. Uh, it is. Uh, I have a, a good basic recording studio uh, using a, a studio bricks, you know, sound box and uh, and good equipment and microphone and so on. But in the studios in in Copenhagen, when I'm called in there, it's pretty much the same. And uh, I know that they're going to do stuff with it. As just when when the sound engineer is going to start fiddling with his knobs and come up with all sorts of magic, um, and I almost feel like I'm missing out on the best bit because they need a, a very good, clear uh, recording from which you can create and mold sound and and atmosphere and location and oh, um, but no, I, it's not. I, I yeah I. Sh I'm not a sound engineer. is is the is the simple truth, and I have more respect for the people who've done their time or done the education, for that matter. But just to have the experience to do it better than I can. So my recording is uh, is basically delivering something which is as clean and as uh, a good quality as possible to allow other people to fiddle with their knobs. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's the that is the absolute <laughs> objective. Because you're having yeah. that consistency and clarity with it, you know the the audio from the performance needs to be absolutely consistent and not getting off mic, because yeah. you know with you're creating those environments 
with what you call you know DSP, which is the digital digital signal processing, it's in okay. real time in the game engine. Yeah. So it, it it depends on the point of view of the player, how the room sounds, and then oh, it's I I fucking love the complex. Yeah. It's just insanely complex. Um, <laughs> You know, if you're doing it, you know, maths, it's all about physics and they've got a great, you know, great environmental tools now to make that work. But if the voice isn't consistent, they can't yeah. fit it in within the within the game world properly. So it has to be consistent, you know. Yeah. So, you know, our solution, the attaching the mic to the head ensures that absolute consistency. So the the dev has you know, the right sound for them to create the environments from. And it is amazing. Yeah. You listen to it and you just go, Jesus, some of these sound mixes are utterly mind-bendingly brilliant. You yeah. know, and it just and the way you transition from space to space and you're not disconnected by any incongruence in the audio. You know. Do, do I have a question actually for you, Mark, if I may. Let's come with this one. Um, I know... Whatever the, the game's uh, environment, uh, if it's a, a kind of an, a natural setting in, in 20th century world, or if it's the 23rd century on the deck of the, of the bridge of the USS whatever, um, uh, do, you, do, you, do you, I mean, you, you know, you look at any computer game that's set somewhere else than Earth and somewhere else than now, the... There's a whole, a whole palette of extra sound uh, possibilities that haven't been invented yet. Uh, um, I'm intrigued by that. I'm absolutely blown away by that. Um, uh, does that inspire you? Uh, I mean, you know, if you're if you're, you're recording a, a you know two meter blue orc or, or whatever they call, you know, um, that's one thing. But if if it's a, if you're some kind of an animal, a talking animal, or a yeah, obviously a little, you know, computer on wheels on a spaceship. Um, does that does that kind of rock your boat in terms of uh, it being a new sound challenge, or is it going? Oh shit, I've got to find another <laughs> effect. You know, how, well, there's how do you how do you look at that? Well, I think there's two things. One is performance and the character. You've got to speak in character. Then there's the sound yeah. design aspect of it. Okay. Um, the, one of the things I love is sound design. You know, it's, that has been in my blood, but I started going yeah. deaf 20 years ago. So, <laughs> I, so, no, so, I'm, so I can't do sound design. I can't go out and record. Oh, 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 get, oh you mean still, it? Oh, yeah, I'm seriously deaf. I wear hearing aids. Oh, so, um, a true sound um, engineer. <laughs> I'm a true sound engineer, yeah, yeah. So I'm writing a blog about the deaf audio guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's looking at the new technology with hearing aids because they they have in many ways changed my life. So moving on to performance, you know, there's always a challenge. You know, when you get over this game and there's all these really weird and alien characters, yeah. but you're building an orchestra anyhow when you're building a cast, and it, you know, sometimes you just look at it. I just did a a crazy game, an indie game called Chicken Police. And, you know, all, all the characters are animals. Yeah. Okay. And it's like a, a film noir thing. 
you know and it was um okay. and it's it's and it was actually um you know when i first looked at it, I went, how the fuck i'm gonna make these sound right but when you're casting yeah. you know when i'm casting it um when an actor nails a character that character just comes to life so you're working off the visual of the character yeah and there's a there's a lovely little youtube um, video that the team recorded during the sessions of the actors yeah. being the you know recording the actors and you see uh, you know you see the was... character and you see the actor performing and they are so embedded in each other you know there's a cat and a seagull a rat and two chickens you know it's just like yeah, yeah, all yeah. having conversations and yeah it just like goes that works. Yeah. That is yeah. magic. That is bringing but, it out. And that, yeah, that gives me the greatest kick. You know, when you get that real connection with the character. Yeah. You know, when you when you come into the studio, you know, Agent Forty Seven wouldn't be Agent Forty Seven without how you've brought him to life. You know, you've given yeah, him it. that real humanity. You know, he's. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's it's looking as you know when you're cast casting, it's all about just how somebody connects and you know when an actor comes in with um an idea and then just puts it to a character and it's like it's like a sound designer putting the sound to a, a laser or something it, it yeah when it when it connects you just go fuck that well, is it's, it, it it's that expression it, it looks like it sounds and it sounds like it looks yeah. If, if you can get that kind of synergy and, and you can say you can watch a, a youtube video and go that's it he is a chicken i i the, he's got he's got the and he's got a character of that particular chicken and yeah. i'm fascinated by that and you, you can't kind of explain it it's um uh but for me it's just it's wrapped up in that what i started out with saying about letting really letting your imagination go and not being intimidated by what you look or sound like, you know, and just going, yeah. oh, I am a chicken. I'm a chicken with an attitude. Yeah, you know, whatever so, it is. So, so based on what, what you all are talking about right now, do you think there are major differences between recording or doing the voice acting for games versus films? Oh, massively. Well, yeah, massively, mm. because it's about your physical presence in film. So what it, the, the actor is bringing themselves wholly to film. Oh, let, let me rephrase yeah. or let me add to the question. For example, if like I know Disney, Pixar, they are doing like an animated um, okay. film uh, where you have mostly the voice acting. So um, how, how is that different from a game? Mark, you, you mentioned, for example, that in a game, you never know how the room is going to look like, what the player is doing later when the when the audio is actually played. So I could imagine that that's mm -hmm. a difference um, because if you are doing like uh, the next Pixar movie, you have a, a full control over how that uh, that movie is going to be like. So is is, are there other other differences in that regard? Well, I think I think um, a lot of animation is done um, voice first, so they're having mm -hmm. the actors working together, yeah. and then the quirks that those actors they brought the character to life in their performances anyhow, you know, by through the you know the casting and, and prep process. So they're being yeah. the characters in a scene. They've got the scene roughed out of what the objective is, what the obstacles are, whatever. And yeah. then the actors are acting it and they're bringing the animation. And oftentimes the animation's all done afterwards. 
So, yeah. you know, some of those quirks of movement and characteristics are what the character, the actor is bringing in their performance yeah. that's inspiring the animators to do crazy shit. You know, yeah, the, I mean, um, Robin Williams, Aladdin, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just where that he changed the whole movie by doing, giving so much credible material and so the, yeah. the role of aladdin's uh, the the genie uh was transformed into being the kind of the main role you know uh but that as you say it comes from the from the recording first i i, I used to record a, i say used to because that doesn't seem to happen anymore but um uh in denmark i used to record whole scripts for animated films and do all the voices so they just had an idea of how long each sequence was. So they'd assign this scene to, the, you know, a group of animators because they know now it's it's um, eighty four seconds long or it's two and a half minutes. You know, so they're built to allocate the the, the time allocate you know needed to to create these uh, scenes. But also, uh, in I wasn't going to necessarily get any part in the film afterwards. It was just a kind of a, a work. I was a work tool. Uh, but I could see afterwards that in the casting, sometimes they would have taken on board some of the, the ways I was saying something uh, as, a, as a character, which they then, you know, think that we've got to have a character, we've got to have an actor, a voice actor who has got that kind of mm, resonance or that sort of silliness or quirkiness. And they're going, oh, yes, that was me, actually. <laughs> but um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm not... Uh, um, you know, I don't feel cheated. I find it fascinating that that recording will then take on a, a two to three dimensional figure, which wasn't there in the first place. Sounds really silly to say it like that, but I really mean it. You, you can create that character with those same words in different ways, which will then influence how the director or how the animator will draw the drawing or you know or design it on the would you say screen. david it's the same for games was it the same for for hitman um no i mean hit when i saw hitman uh he, he was already he was already bold and and you know he was um they were well advanced in the graphics of, of the first game i was just in a studio and was asked to go and have a look in the next in the editing suite next door uh would i would i like to voice this and which yeah you know Yes, it was everything that appealed to me uh, about the the kind of film noir look of, of the of the first game. Um, so they were already advanced. My my um, morphing into the character came later as the game became more um, advanced in its uh, uh, performance capture possibilities. So you know, it's become more and more my face as they scanned me more and more into the computer um so now that character was already there uh but uh, you you in, in the one sense i would say this uh i made a very quick decision or uh as you have to you have to commit to a decision as to how you're going to voice something and of course the direct you will hopefully get direction but you can't go into it half cocked. So I looked at the first pictures and thought, film noir, the lines are written sort of short, staccato, 
kind of monosyllabic. And I went, it's, it's got that Philip Marlowe feel to it. So I attacked the recording with a Philip Marlowe, you know, flat monotone. Uh, and now I can, you know, I, uh, just go, oh God, it sounds a bit, bit dull. Um, but it had, that was my hook, you know, to, to rest my character on as, uh, vocally. And it's changed infinitely over the years. But um, uh, that journey was made up, you know, I, I committed to a way of doing something, doing the, playing the character or voicing it. And they seemed to like it and they seemed to fit in with his persona or his personality. He was the silent assassin. Uh, so there's not much song and dance about the way he delivers his lines. He said, only would say what he needs to say when he says it. That has matured to an extent unrecognizably in Hitman 2, the last second to last game, no, the last game, um, where now all these extra lines have been written. You know, all these, uh, when he's in disguise, all these sort of like, sort of non secretor, would you like more ice in your drink, Mr. You know, uh, another gin and tonic or ice cream, you know, whatever is bizarre disguise he's in and I was going oh this is so wrong oh no it's just again back to what I was saying earlier this is not Agent 47 he went go with us the game has matured uh, in terms of the graphics and the possibilities of the what's a you know you can do in that sandbox to such an extent that we want the character player to feel more engaged and I went okay now you've got my attention and I was not convinced about it until I saw the game and experienced it, uh, where you, all those non secretors, all those meaningless lines became, gave you a feeling as a player that you were in this together, that you were really sneaking about dressed as a waiter or as a guard or as uh, a pink flamingo. Uh, <laughs> and, and suddenly all these stupid boring lines made total sense and made the player feel that he was getting away with the disguise that it was working so that's what i'm saying about how games have matured there was just how do we make the game more scratch and feel how can we engage the already now it's a very sophisticated player feel even more involved in, in the game and i know with hitman they do these things called elusive targets where you literally get 60 minutes to fulfill a, a, a contract and if you get discovered it's over so you can't get more real than that the only difference is you don't actually die you know um they're coming to get you mark by the way okay <laughs> that's not that's not they, london they found your address oh, isn't it no. <laughs> but uh, you know it's what i'm saying so i i that, that sophistication, uh, I'm intrigued by that. And I'm going, when a player approaches the next episode uh, in such a long franchise as, as Hitman, they're, expect, they're, they're almost not even acknowledging how much the game has evolved. They're just going, yeah, that was what I expected. But there's 200 people in a building in Copenhagen who are going, shit, bloody hell, you know. Just give themselves a, a, a hernia uh, to up the ante and, and, and uh, evolve the technology to, to, to the next level because yeah. the game comes out, you know, two years later. And that's our whole lifetime in the computer world uh, evolvement. And, they, and the player's not even 
fully appreciate it. You know, like, yeah, that's what we expected. That sophistication, <laughs> I'm intrigued by. <laughs> yeah, I love that collaborative thing where they've got an idea and say, just trust me, go with this. Yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah. you're saying? You go, you can't see what they see or what they're yeah. experimenting with. And that is just. Um, yeah. And it was an it, experiment. It's, it's, you know, they, yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of game development because it is this completely mad collaboration between yeah. things that you know like tech you know blooming computer programming and art and, and writing yeah. and design and, and sound is is a is a real surreal marriage you know yeah. sort of the, on the technical side as opposed to the you know the, the whole thing working together you know when i walk into yeah the devs and see what's going on yeah. i'm always um I'm blown away by what people are yeah. managing to, you know, people are managing to achieve with their visions and how they will take little things and make them really amazing, you know, like yeah, those yeah. little one-liners and just how they fit within the <laughs> whole. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's yeah, it is an extraordinary it is an extraordinary art form to be been involved in. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned the the players before um and player expectations i mean uh i think we all worked on video games in the in the in the years and um you can never make players happy it seems but then you create those <laughs> you create those games and, and players love them they and years later they come back to you and talk about how how great certain moments were in games and that tells you that you've done something right and and my experience is when you talk to players when you invite them over to dev teams and show them how you know meticulously some things are crafted in the game that they understand and appreciate it but not everybody gets yeah. a chance to do so um it's like when you see the first first time how a car is, is built or something like that and you see all the details yeah. that go into that you know it kind of blows your mind when you do for the first time and a lot of people you know they just consume the games they play the games but they don't know what it takes to actually get it there and yeah. uh so i always find it very fascinating and uh, i love to to kind of open people's eyes if they see how a game is made in the studio of like i don't know 200 people 300 people and then they, they realize, oh, wow, that's what it takes to get there. So uh, it's very fascinating. Yeah. But I think we got to live with people that uh, don't appreciate it until they get the chance to actually look behind the scenes. They they often appreciate it as a memory. Yeah, it's a bit a bit like life, really. I mean, you, we're living in in today, but we're only going to appreciate how special today was when it's a memory, and uh, and that's frustrating. But I. I because of being involved with the franchise for so long, I, when I meet fans at, at uh, comic cons or, or uh, events, computer game um, conferences, I'm intrigued to talk to them because they, their eyes almost glaze over. Uh, and I can see they have real, genuine, warm memories of <laughs> of killing people. No. <laughs> um, well, that's what it basically is. You know? oh, it is. I just I suddenly realized of killing people with a piano. <laughs> but you know, what I mean? but um, but they they have real childhood memories of hey, when I was first, I came across this Hitman game. I was fourteen, and I'm talking to a guy who's in his mid twenties, and again, shit, you know, that, and it is it is very special. But it's the memory. It's um. 
and it's good you had the, the, the devcoms where they get to see a game physically uh, being created, uh, you know, the next level or, or some special effects, because that, that's the, they need to be gobsmacked by those sessions, because yeah. it is about that they'll, they, they will actually be looking back on the games you're, that, that you're a part of or playing. And it's the memories that will, will have created the value for them in, uh, at a later stage. Yeah, absolutely. So I got I got another question um, for you. If you, I mean, DevCom in general is a um, also an event where we have a lot of you know up and coming um, developers and and uh, potentially also voice actors. So what would be your general tips for somebody who's getting into um, you know recording audio for a game, be it voice acting or something related? Um, is it how important is it to be prepared? What, do you need to be in a certain mood to do to do that? What, what can you do as somebody? who does not have the experience that yet you guys have and you want to get into that um that environment and be like a successful voice actor or, you know somebody working in the field of audio in games uh i i know what i would say um uh i've already touched on it earlier but it, it's if you get the chance to to audition and you're standing there in front of this shit awful microphone in a dead room and you're trying to be a 15th century knight or the king of France or, or an orc from, you know, where you have no chance of knowing how an orc feels, whatever. When you are looking at being prepared uh, with your script and, and uh, the reaction of the other characters to what you're saying, it's just a matter of, it sounds so simple, this. It's, for me, it's just a matter of being so centered as humanly possible the only thing when you're reading the other line and you're going to react to that line it doesn't matter what you are just commit to the way you're going to say it 100 so don't try to think oh if i do something in the middle then i'll please everyone you know i'll please the director who's asked me not to be too over the top and the writer would probably like me to be a bit more. No, uh, sort them all. Uh, just commit to however you think this character should be played and and die on your sword by it. Yeah. Because the camera uh, or the, and the, the microphone will hear your hesitancy and it will hear your doubt. It'll pick it up and go, ah, he didn't mean that. He didn't really mean what he said there. Right. Just, so it's yeah. as focused as humanly possible and go with it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's all about interpretation of the character. It's about being bringing that character to life and trusting your gut, making those yeah. choices. You know, when you were talking about Agent 47 and how you got those hooks and then you yeah. just committed to those hooks and ran with it. And yeah. it works. You know, that was, you know, you, you were, you were, pulled into that space by those choices and those are intelligent choices you know what i mean you've everybody come yeah. every actor coming into casting has yeah. seen a character they've had the same description of a character yeah. and they're trying to make choices and if their choices are based on what they think somebody wants they're not present yeah. you know when yeah. somebody makes choices and throws themselves at those choices that's when it becomes interesting, even if those choices yeah. are not what I yeah. was thinking. 
you know, as yeah. a, when I'm, you know, when I'm casting, I go in the with a kind of enter the room with a blank slate and say, what have these people got to? What are they bringing to the table? What is their interpretation? And and I don't see my interpretation as a template that they need to fit into. I'm seeing that right. I'm looking for the life that they bring. So it is about making absolutely firm choices. And as you were talking about play earlier on, you know, that freedom. <laughs> yeah. To, to enter into that free space takes, I think, takes experience or a certain psychosis that enables you just to go, this is who I am, you know. And, you know, it's actors who are enter, however they get to that space, however they enter and play and are lucid and fluid yeah. as something definable. That is when it starts to get, you know, exciting from, you know, my perspective. So my advice is, you know, read something and commit to what you think more than anything else. And that's exactly what you were yeah. saying fundamentally. And it's just like, yeah, total, total yeah. agreement with that. So there you go. This piece Great. of cake, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds super simple. I'm going to start tomorrow. Right? <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right. <laughs> So uh, a quick um, uh, thing I want to explain to you guys um, about uh, the quotes section. So now, that even though we record this, we're going to cut this out uh, later. So we got a couple quotes that we would like uh, you, David, obviously, to read uh, and say in your uh, <laughs> in your coolest voice. So uh, okay. do you have access to uh, the Zoom chat uh, that we're using here? Um, because then I, we would post them mm -hmm. there so you could read them uh, and we can... Damn. Well, I just can't get this thing to... Because if, if, if not, uh, we can do it differently. If not, we can just read them and, and you say them, but it would be, would be easier if we just post them somewhere. What about, mail? can you mail them to me? Sure. Is that... Because then I could see uh, them written without you kind of. All right, so the ruining, so ruining. Nico's collected a couple of cool things. Um, the first ones are fr uh, not from Hitman. Uh, they're about like seven or eight, and then Actually, I ha we have a couple other ones from Hitman or Nico, an, whatever you want to. An idea would be because there's four Hitman quotes in there, and a lot of other from movies and other games. And I thought, okay, um, I'm uh, David. I'm gonna send you the list real quick, and okay. uh, <laughs> and then. Um, you go through the quotes, and okay. Mark Mark has to guess where they are from. Oh fuck! Ah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so just <laughs> okay. No pressure, Mark. Oh, no pressure on me either. Okay. Just uh. need to. Are you gonna them. Are you gonna put them on chat as well? Yeah, yeah you should do it so you could because you can see it. I for some I'm gonna get Google out here straight away. Fucking yeah, yeah. I, look, <laughs> hey guys, I don't do this at all. Uh, uh, I won't know where uh, anything's from. So, wait a second, okay? I just mixed up. Yeah, the, you see films. Hang on a minute. <laughs> it's the uh, I love this uh, quite like you, oh, you, you cruel. That's it's cruel. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, it's okay. Yeah, I got. I, I, post, I, I, I posted some of them here, but please use the ones that Nico's. Uh, are, I just send you. I just send you a mail with uh, the word document. Okay. I'm and I mixed up. I, I mixed uh, the the order of the quotes a bit, so it's not only Hitman and yeah. and then the others. So. 
<laughs> just okay. pick whatever you like. Remember, it's okay. put that put that cookie down and not say uh, and not to drop the that. cookie. Good. <laughs> put that cookie down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, Arnie, get off the line. I'm trying to work here. Okay. Well, I th- um, I think quite frankly, quite frankly, I I I asked the best questions. I asked the best. <laughs> oh yeah, good. We're you winning. Can... <laughs> You're going to okay. be tired of uh, so much winning. <laughs> We're winning the Corona crisis. We Did you get the mail? Anyway. Yes, I got it. I'm looking at them now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, the first one's a giveaway. Well, here it goes. Names are for friends, so I don't need one. Uh, Asian forty-seven. I have Mark, to say that. Mark, Mark and Mark has to. Mark then has to guess uh, which. Oh which fuck game off! Or don't movie. do that. Oh, this yeah. is. We could I'm actually do a. We could actually do a standoff between Lars and Mark, and who who. Uh, Lars, you're going to get it all. No, I, I, I'm really I, bad I, at I, that. I, we can't. I, do, I, do, I don't have my. <laughs> you're okay, almost... so. Because <laughs> what? Yeah. You got one. You got one quote with Mario in there, so it's probably Mario. That's a... <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Because it's, but I, how much? I've got just as much of a challenge. Because I mean, I get okay. I got you know. But uh, just just a quick be, 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 before we before we actually go, let me just quickly introduce that because uh, we stopped this. Uh, we started this early, and people actually don't know what we're doing here unless if I uh, unless I introduce this a little bit. So. Oh, okay. A session like this with these two fine gentlemen wouldn't be complete unless we uh, asked them to, or at least asked David in that case, to read some quotes, uh, Hitman style, or maybe also from some other games or movies. So um, let's go and uh, try to do some of that, right? Yeah, I don't know how Mario sounds. Or whatever. No, that's, Hello, that's okay. It's me. Make him sound like Hitman. Cool. No, no. You just you <laughs> okay. just need to you just need to say all of those quotes in your voice in in Agent Forty Seven. I'm with you. That, that's the charm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that you'll. I'll get the. the right. And we're trying to guess run, what it is, right? Run, run, and, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So. And and Mark and Lars have to guess whether it's from Hitman or whether it's from a movie or another game, and if so, which other movie and which game. So you just say you just say the quotes, <laughs> and they have to guess. <laughs> We try our best. We're gonna fail so miserably. Mark, <laughs> we're gonna die a, a horrible death here, Mark. So don't worry. Yeah, yeah. You're, we're in, we're in just we'll go down together, you know, falling <laughs> on our swords. Here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, <clears throat> names are for friends, so I don't need one. And you have to guess that. Yeah. So Hitman. That's, well, that's that's hit, <laughs> that's Hitman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's Hitman. Yeah. I'm, I'm if you didn't gonna... get that, I would kill you for free. <laughs> I'm just gonna put down the points, all right? So it's, it's <laughs> okay. counting points. Oh, come on, what, yeah, what do we yeah. win? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, know, I always want to. I want to do. I want to do them all, like Trump, just so you can just to mess it all up. Be <laughs> <laughs> free. <laughs> we start swearing then. Oh uh, yeah, I start swearing a bit. You know, first it's prize is another to... quote battle with me for uh, on a oh. Zoom session. <laughs> yeah, what do, I can do. The film quote, and then you name the actor, and then you name the film, the, another film the actor is in, and then you name it. That, that's a fun game, but it's a, it's a drinking too, game right? when you're... Yeah, I'm seriously. You it's a, we can combine that. We can combine it. We do another podcast, just us uh, throwing yeah. quotes and actors at each other while getting shit-faced. Yeah, then I got to practice yeah. a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at least a quote I'll give part. you one. Here's, a, here's one for you. Oh. Where does he get those toys? 
Name the film. There you go. Ah, it's okay, not on your uh, list, is it? Oh, where does no? Where does he get those toys? Um, no, 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 no. Um, ah, oh, damn it! I know it. I know it. Yeah. Oh. it's a killer. Is that a Bond? It sounds like a Bond thing, but it, it does sound yeah, like a it Bond does. thing. It does. No, it's, but it's not. Should I give you the cat? Would I give you the actor's name or the film? And then it'll it'll help you. Okay. Oh, uh, it's I'll give you the film genre. It's a Batman movie. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, it's. Uh... <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah was yeah, it? Yeah. Was it? <sighs> it's... No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Dark Knight. No, it was... it, uh, it's it's the it's the Joker. It's Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Ah, the okay. uh, yeah. yeah, but but Joker was right. Those jo- yeah, Joker. That's... You see what I mean? You can go. We go with the character, or you go with the actor, and you got Jack Nicholson, and then you got to do uh, people. You don't. People can't handle the truth. You know, and then it's then you go. Oh, that's a Tom Cruise film, and what was it yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. where he was, and you mm-hmm. can bounce back. Anyway, I'll back to your quotes. I'll, I'll try. Uh-huh. It's. <laughs> It's it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. I don't know. It could be a Bruce Willis line. No, that's that's it Duke could... Nukem. That's Duke Nukem. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. <laughs> shit! Of course it is. <laughs> Damn it! That's a great one. Uh, you were almost a Jill sandwich. Oh, that's um, that's Resident Evil, isn't it? That's a classic line. That one. <laughs> yeah. You do know how to play this game, Mark. <laughs> Actually, I didn't know That's that it. one. So point for you. You just need a yeah. bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Or a I'm, 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 I am surrounded by nerds at work. So and, uh, yeah, this and one uh, you're gonna get. The next yeah. One. <laughs> Put the cookie down now. Well, that's right. That is army. <laughs> army. That is yeah. that's Terminator. Isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because you know, how did you ever have a career? Oh, it's bless him. He because so, he meant every word he said. That's how he had Yeah, you meant to, you know, to put the cookie down. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and he had a lot of muscles. He still has a lot of muscles. And, and get just, over here. You you got you got to say the quotes just like you think Agent Forty Seven would say them. Okay, all right, I'll do it that way around. Okay, get over here. Okay, get over here. Lars, Mark, get over none of here. you. No, I'm out of there. I don't know. Okay, if, you quote, if you say it's Agent 47, I'm going to kill you. No, it's not. Could but, be for but, me. But get over here, nor from Mortal Kombat. But, uh... Yes, exactly. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, what are the, what are the chances? 100,000 words and uh, those three words got me. Okay, here's another one for you. If you don't get this, I'm leaving. I, I need to use the bathroom. No, <laughs> the lines here. Here comes the line. Ready? I need to use the bathroom. Well, that's it, man. Yeah, <laughs> I will let you live because uh, that's the most famous quote Hitman's ever said in twenty years. Well, not Mark. He so, was the gonna... I mean... <laughs> No, <laughs> sorry. No, I mean it's not your fault, Mark. Uh, I need to use the bathroom. Don't ask me why that line has become the most famous line I've ever said, but it is. <laughs> oh, okay, as, I'll say this next one again as um, uh, all of them uh, as Agent 47. Yeah. Okay. A hind D, Colonel. What's a Russian gunship doing here? Gunshot. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Hind D. 
I would say it's Metal Gear Solid, but I'm not quite sure. Yep. Wow. No shit. Well done. (laughs) Damn. It's it's from the beginning of of Metal Gear Solid, the first one that came out on PS1, uh, quite at the beginning, actually. Okay. Cool. Okay, here's here's the next one. Also, Adana's agent, 47. I expect the best, and I give the best. Here's the beer. Here's the entertainment. Now have fun. That's an order. Mm. Ooh, that's a he got me one. there. That sounds like a like, like a like a. I would say it's movie like and Tom, not a game, but. Yeah, it sounds like a Tommy Lee Jones line, or or a or a, a Gene Hackman, mm. or or something like. But I mean, you know, chef. It's <laughs> it's it's. it's I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete loss. No, I, I don't know. No. Okay, this what one was uh, uh, Ratchek, the the commander um, in Starship Troopers. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Fuck. <laughs> yes. When they had oh. before, when they started their yeah. outdoor party. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! When you when you hear it, when you say that, you suddenly hear the line. Just goes boom. That's Again, <laughs> it's the memory. It's the memory of a line that reminds you of a game. Okay, another one. An agent's advantage is not his body, it's his mind. Ooh, oh, that's deep. Ooh. Sounds like Hitman because of the agent thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I, 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 listen, I'm Agent 47 and I don't recognize that line. <laughs> so if it's, if, it's, if it's Agent 47, I'm fired. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. I guess it is. Is it really? I said um, that line in the recording. I don't remember. I I, I cannot swear on it. Um, but but uh, when I looked for quotes from Agent Forty Seven, uh, this one actually popped up. You just made this up, Nico, right? No. Yeah. yeah. You, yes. You, yes, you did. No, you wanted to throw in like a deep quote or something. I'm something you always wanted deep. to have said in a cool voice, and that's why I threw it in. Right? <laughs> Yeah, this yes. was for my answering machine. You know, <laughs> thanks, David. <laughs> I just, you know, as my career's on the line here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good game. All right, here we go. Um, thank you, Mario. But our princess is an, in a. But our princess is in another castle. Thank no you, Mario. Idea. But our princess is in another castle. Should I just give okay. you a point? <laughs> yeah, just shoot me. Shoot me now. Yeah, just give him the point. <laughs> yeah. But Mark, you know as well, right? He knows. He knows it all. I don't know. What have we Doesn't got? even the Mario give it away? Yeah, I would guess. Said, to be honest, I don't know <laughs> no, which, no, no, which of the games it is. I mean, yeah, it's obviously yeah, a Super no Mario idea. game, but I don't know in which one that was. It's actually the okay. first one. Is it the first one? Yeah. Okay. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna give both of you a point just because I feel pity for you. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for your pity, you pity bastard. Welcome. Here comes the next one. These aren't the droids you're looking for. But Star, well, Star Wars. Wars. It's yeah. the classic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it ain't no secret. I didn't get these scars falling over in church. Oh, Red Dead. Red, Red Dead. Dead. That's, that, yeah, Red that, Dead? Was, oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah, that was quick. Yeah. Okay, Mark said it first. But I knew that one as well. Yeah. So the next one, okay. the next one is long, but uh, but it's just classic. Oh, that's a good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, this is good. 
I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Fuck, it I sounds like thing. it sounds like taken. It's taken. Yeah. It's Liam. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know what? I, I got goosebumps when he was doing that on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was ma- imagining as the guy was, you know, the picture was they kept going backwards and forwards. It was on his face. And then you ha- had the other guy you know, listening and I'll be going, shit, I can <laughs> I would be sh- I would be shitting myself. If I heard this, you know. Good luck. I, yeah, yeah, good luck. That's right. And he says, good luck. Again. You are so dead, pal. You are so dead. That, that, was, that, was, that moment in this movie was so cool uh, because when I, when I first watched Taken, I did not know what to expect. And yeah, once this Taken. scene was over, I was just like, okay, this is going to be this good. This is just going to be a shit, yeah. a shit fest of killing. Yes. How delightful. Bring it on. You know, and you just know that uh, I want to live to the end of this movie because this is where it's going to happen. You know? <laughs> this is this is the storyline of the film, you know. Anyway, uh next the next one. one here we go. Do you know why you're still alive? Because I chose not to kill you. But they will. Ooh. That's is that another agent 47 yeah. line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, but I love that line. That's oh, what's that? Shit, what, do you know which one that one's from? Uh, uh no, I had to. I would have to look that up. Oh, it doesn't matter. So it's just I love that line. I remember when I was saying it. I like that line. Hang on. Uh, here we go. I'm just scrolling up. Here we go. There's actually. Uh, have you guys watched The Expanse? There's a similar scene with a with a similar quote and. Uh, it's about oh. some guy who uh, whose whose daughter was kidnapped for for uh, for a scientific experiment blah, and and then they just want to leave that one guy in the airlock, uh, but the daddy yeah. goes back because he thinks he's gonna kill him, and then this other guy is kind of like a big brother to everyone, and you know he can he can switch between moods pretty pretty fast, you know, and pull the trigger if necessary, yeah. and then he just goes back to them and grabs them on the shoulder and says, "Don't." You're you're not that guy, and then then Daddy goes out, and the other one in the airlock is super happy. So, oh, thank you, man. And so, so I am that guy, <laughs> and then the scene uh, fades out. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> it's like the, it was it was one of the lethal one of the lethal weapon films, which had that lovely British actor. Um, he was the villain playing the South African ambassador. Oh yeah, in, the, in Los Angeles. Uh, um, oh, he's such a great actor. Uh, Oh, it's not Don McCorkin there. It's uh, real bugger. No, he's a lovely big. Um, he actually used to live in Johannesburg. Did did radio drama, and I heard his voice, and I'm going. Uh, Alan Rickman. I know. No, no, Alan Rickman. But it, but anyway, but he had, and one of his his own henchmen comes in, and the floor is covered in in uh, plastic, and this guy knows what that means. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, and and, they, and this uh, character says, "Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you." And the guy goes, "Oh, lovely, he is." He is. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that. He just going, "Oh, that's such a fun line, you know." Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. And he goes, "Oh, that's good. He is." <laughs> It's a simple line. All all best lines are simple. Anyway, here comes this one. Hope is what makes us strong. It is why we are here. It is what we fight with when all else is lost. Okay. Together. God of War. God of War. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a voice, by the way. That's a great voice. He's got a three-dimensional voice. Man. I watched some of those mocap sessions and you're just going, oh, that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Why not I do it? You know, really? Yeah. Strong stuff. Fun, fun fact, though, this was one, this was from God of War 3. And I think did, uh, I think there was still another voice actor before God of War. Was it? I think so. Not yeah. sure. Not sure. But I thought they uh, got another, uh, they got, um, I, I, can't remember his name the one that just you really yeah yeah exactly but i I, yeah, he... I wasn't sure if he uh if he voiced kratos in the older parts as well i, I don't think he did no oh really no mm -hmm. i thought he was he's been the same guy all the way through because i'm just gonna say because you know the god of war fans are gonna hunt you down and when <laughs> they find you they are going to kill you because <laughs> 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 if if you got it wrong you know and, i'm thought, pretty okay, sure i, I didn't know that. I, Okay. I'm, I'm going to sure. sit on the fence here because I don't know, but he's got a fantastic voice. Oh yes, boy! Yeah, um, just unbelievable. We have one final quote, and uh, currently it's eleven points for Lars and ten for Mark. So oh, fuck. The, the, the next okay. one is yeah. you, you can still make a draw happen. Yeah? Okay, so give it your uh, give it your yeah. best. Oh, this last one is is the one written <laughs> on the bottom of the page. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what a story, Mark. <laughs> what a story, Mark. I give you one hint. It's probably one of the shittiest movies ever made, but because of that, it's super popular. Mega Shark versus Giant uh, Octopus? No. No. <laughs> Aliens versus. Yeah. Uh, what a story, Mark. Shit. Oh, the original line was it was super bad. Um, that's why it's so popular. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Oh, I have absolutely no clue. Ah, I do not. Uh, say, it, say, it guys... again, say it again. <laughs> what a story, Mark. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I'm going to kick myself when you tell me. I don't know. What is it? Um, the actor, I can, I can... the actor was called uh, is called Tommy Wiseau, um, and the movie is called The Room. It's super popular. Um, James Franco um, and what was the other guy's name? They actually they did a uh, a movie about it. Um, it's called The Disaster Artist. Uh, it's very watchable. <laughs> it's super funny. Um, I'm gonna write but... this down. <laughs> I'm gonna send you a link to a really nice review. Um, the room is super funny, and it's it's so unbearably uh, unbearably bad that you really 
you're not sure <laughs> at the beginning if this is real or not. So if you're looking for inspiration... <laughs> <laughs> for, how, for how not to do things exactly <laughs> but but you know the, I mean, here's here's a weird thing you know you can see something which is is wrong or bad on all sorts of levels and it gets remembered yeah, yeah. and then you ask yourself getting back to that memory uh, thing i was saying on you remember it and you can't get it out of your bloody head and therefore it becomes a very a very big memory you know, I can still remember seeing the name of the rose with Sean Connery. Mm. Fantastic <laughs> film. And um, there was a character. I was literally, I was on tour in southwest England uh, doing rep or something down in Exeter. And late at night, uh, we we're watching the name of the rose after the show. And this one monk comes into the, into the shot. And there's J.F. Abraham and Sean Connery in the same screen. I mean, that's, that's a very expensive talented screen full of talent, you know, just pushed in. And this guy comes in from, from stage right, you know, and he, and he says something really horrible. I can't remember what it was now, but he goes, he comes in, Herman says something, and he goes, huh. <laughs> and that was his expression. And, and I, I, I looked at the other actors in the room, we're watching this late night, and we looked again, are we just, are we more stoned than we thought we were. But that was the shittest piece of acting I have ever seen. And it was back in the days of, of you know, videotape. It was in the late 80s or something. And we literally got, we watched all the way to the end of the film and we slowed down the credits because we wanted to find out who was playing Monk, whatever his name was. Because that man had the best agent in the world. Because it, it, got, it got the shittest actor into a very good film doing a scene with Sean Connery and J.F. Abraham. Okay, I want his agent. I, that's, that's a success story, you know. It was that bad. It and for the past really... 30 years, he has been your agent now. <laughs> wish, yeah, probably, I've been paying him 20%. Just shoveling it. You know? No, but I mean, so it's not necessarily a, a good film or a good uh, you know, scene that it gives you a memory. It can be a really shit one, and that that shit film. I've got to see that. I, I'm I'm hooked. The room. Well, I guess that gives us all hope now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So whatever we do, we're we're, we're going to be famous. Right. Even if we do shit. So, David, Mark, thank you very much for an awesome session. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, talking to you about the you know the serious things of voice acting and recording and software design in that field, but also of course the fun part about you know hearing you uh, say yeah. some quotes. Uh, I'm not going to talk about my victory here, you know, to <laughs> know more. Okay, well, we get it. one point. One point. Yeah, it's one, uh, one point. It's one point. You know, but uh, you know, bullshit. I think Mark wants Mark wants some revenge at some point, so we're going to do this. Yeah. All right. Th- <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Uh, it was so much fun, Pleasure. and I hope that uh, our audience enjoyed it as much, or will enjoy it as much as uh, we did recording this. And to our listeners, uh, if you want to hear, if you want to hear more from Mark, um, you should just uh, check out DevCom this year. Mark's going to be one of our speakers, and we'll tell you a lot about voice over acting and coaching and the tech behind it. So stay tuned. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure having you. (laughs) And I'm gonna hold you to to the to the quote battle. (laughs) It's fun. It's you can have a lot of. It's a good drinking game. Thank you for listening to a DevCom podcast produced by Sven Fossing.
Executive producer, Stefan Reichart. Music by WeLoveIndies.com. Supported by Bayer Dynamic. High-quality headphones, microphones, and conference systems for professional musicians and gamers. Made in Germany.